You're listening to the Saul Good Media Podcast. Just a quick heads up, these are adult conversations and there is the possibility of adult language. Enjoy. After I came back to the U.S. from France, this was in 2012, I I looked at my chart for the first time, my own individual chart, and that was the aha moment. I was so humbled to see what I like to call the spiritual DNA. Maybe, you know, a similar experience would be like if you could open up your body and look at your organs for the first time. That's what it felt like. Like I was seeing myself reflected in this beautiful, chaotic mess of lines and geometric angles that I'd never seen before. And I was hooked immediately. I realized that I had not known anything about astrology. Welcome back to the Saul Good Media Podcast. Tonight I'm joined with my good friend Ren, who is the founder of Astro Yoga. Astro Yoga is an original fusion of yoga, meditation, breath work, and cosmological insight, which is designed as a mind-body journey through the zodiac realm. Among many other things, Ren is a certified yoga instructor, a Reiki practitioner, which for those of you who do not already know is a form of energy healer, And tonight we'll be diving into her work as a professional astrologer, which has allowed her to observe and relay information about our place here in the universe. My sister Molly is also going to be joining us and chiming in with a few questions of her own. Hey everybody. I just want to say I feel extremely lucky and honored that Ren was able to share her time with us to talk about astrology. This episode is packed full of information, so for those of you who do not even know what astrology is, you're in for quite a treat. If you already have a background in astrology, do not worry. Our conversation gets into it quite quickly, and I believe there are gems in here for all of us to learn something. If you want to learn more about Astro Yoga at any point throughout listening to this conversation, check it out at astroyogalove.com. That's A-S-T-R-O-Y-O-G-A-L-O-V-E. Before we dive in, Ren, could you briefly give us some background of how you were introduced to astrology in the first place? Yeah, well, I my relationship to astrology for most of my life was the same that I think uh, many people have. I thought that the horoscopes in the newspaper were the extent of astrology and what it had to offer. So um, I thought it was nothing at all to be taken seriously. But astrology came into my life later when I was about 20, in addition to a lot of other things at the same time, including yoga. And it was all part of a spiritual awakening, which um, was also coming on the heels of a, a major depression in my life. So astrology really was not even just a a new a new concept. It was also a way to lift me out of depression and show me this whole um, cosmic understanding of my place in it all. So it has it has really brought a lot of significance and new knowledge to my life. I imagine most of our listeners have at least heard of astrology, but for those who haven't, could you explain it in a little more detail? Well, most astrologers hold two beliefs simultaneously, which seem contradictory, but they're not really. And those two beliefs are that um, as above, so below, that there's divine orchestration and 
that nothing is coincidence and the planets are reflecting very precisely our our individual spirit and collective humanity. But also the other belief that is um, complementary, but once again might seem contradictory, is that there are actual real gravitational and electromagnetic forces that are operating on the Earth coming from the planets. And that we can see really obviously with the moon. And women know that really intimately. Of course, we, we feel the moon inside our bodies and we see that in the water all around us. So I'm always amazed when people think that if the moon can move the oceans that it it's some that they're somehow immune to the moon and it just skips right over them and operates on the whole earth but not them you know but that's just one example and really i think all the planets are exerting a very strong influence over us too it's not just the moon wow growing up i've always loved reading my horoscope and i be curious, how would you describe what a horoscope is to someone that has never encountered that word before? A horoscope is a forecast. And that word is used really, it's used really incorrectly most of the time, actually. So horoscope is used as an umbrella term to describe like any kind of astrological reading. It's it's really important to not blindly believe in anything Um, and astrology is no exception. So I'm constantly the skeptic also. So a lot of, a lot of my work is in observation and in questioning and not just in blind belief and saying, okay, you know, you are this way or this is happening because of this. No, ideally you have a marriage between the right and the left brain so I do actually use a lot of math too when I'm doing a reading or when I'm when I'm looking at these what are called ephemeries, these graphic ephemeries that are showing where, where the planets are and, and how they're interacting with each other and the geometric angles that they're forming. But what I found after however many six years now that it's been, after remaining, being vigilant about that skepticism and keeping it within me and observing, I am constantly, if not daily, affirmed feel affirmation in those beliefs and and see it and feel it on a really visceral level that yeah there's there's something happening here and and giving readings to people and then getting feedback like shit you know (laughs) on that day that you told me to be careful i'm really glad that i was careful because this happened or you know whatever it is it's there's two it's so much more than coincidence at this point you do see those patterns playing out And I also wanted to say that astrology is a really nebulous thing, and I don't think any astrologer can properly tell you what it is or how it works with the same, there are other things like gravity, there are invisible forces that still rule every aspect of our life on earth and cannot be explained. And I think astrology is totally the same thing in that same realm. Some of our listeners may already know what their zodiac sign is, but for those of us who don't, how would we go about figuring that out? The sun sign is what most people, if they're going to know anything about their astrology, it's going to be the sun sign. So the astrological year begins with the spring equinox around March 21st with Aries. And um, the last sign in the zodiac is Pisces. So Pisces comes just before the spring equinox. So that's kind of the, the new year, if you will, in astrological terms. And there's slight shifting 
from year to year about when those exact dates are, but it's roughly from between the 19th to the 21st of in each month is when that shifts. So the first sign is Aries, it's a fire, and then we move into Earth, Taurus, Gemini's air, Cancer, water. Cancer is the demarcation of the, the summer solstice. Leo, fire, Virgo, earth, and then Libra comes at the autumn equinox, another air. And Scorpio, water, comes next. Sagittarius, fire. <clears throat> Capricorn comes at the winter solstice, earth. Aquarius, air. And then we end with Pisces, water, from late February to early March. What do you see this new year bringing us in your observations? Wow. Well, what's really at the forefront of my consciousness for this year is Jupiter. So Jupiter spends about exactly one full calendar year in each constellation. So for me, he gives a really nice flavor to the year just because, you know, it's a really neat little parameter. It's, it's, a, it's a nice coincidence that Jupiter just happens to, to be in each constellation for 12 months. So... Um, we can look at each year's kind of has, has this arc that's flavored by Jupiter. So the Jupiter year, if you will, began October 10th, 2017 is, is lasts until November, 2018. And this year right now, so most of 2018, Jupiter is in Scorpio. Scorpio is a water sign and emanates mostly from the root chakra. And I can talk about that too, about what that means and the correlations between the body and the constellations. <clears throat> but Scorpio, Jupiter and Scorpio is really about power and control dynamics. It's about sex. It's about money and it's about fear. So I see this definitely in the media right now with what's happening uh, in Hollywood with these powerful men who are, um, finally being called out for really inappropriate sexual behaviors. I see it in the political sphere where we are really being forced to ask ourselves difficult questions about how that political sphere and all the turmoil, um, what that means about humanity and um, everything that's associated with the root chakra. So that's these are all difficult things that generally we don't want to look at. These are scary things. These are dynamics generally that are hidden and that must come to the surface. So a very powerful year to say the least. And then you've got all the other planets to consider too. But when you talk about the moon, for example, she's moving really quickly. She's only in each constellation for 60 hours. So for about two and a half or three days, the moon is saying much more about day-to-day -day life and not necessarily about the year, for example. Of course, you're going to have eclipses that are going to be really powerful moments, but it's those outer planets from Jupiter out to Pluto that are giving you a better idea of longer-term arcs and themes, if you will. I'm curious, could you go briefly into each sign sure. and just kind of talk a little bit about each sign and how, so that people listening maybe could learn their sign and learn something about themselves sure. or about this next year and how that would apply to them? Yeah. Well, one major disclaimer, and I always, I always say this when I'm teaching a workshop and I have a bunch of people around me, is that when I talk about a sign, I'm talking about that archetype, not that individual. So say, you know, your sun sign is cancer. When I talk about cancer, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that 
entity as though or that pure archetype like cancer the crab was here embodied in manifest form sitting next to me you know so the way in which you embody that and manifest in you is not necessarily going to be the way that archetype is in its pure form does that make sense that makes sense it does i feel like it's a great distinction to make and so yeah thank you for pointing that out yeah it's so easy to to take um astrological information personally and say that is me or that's not me and or you know some kind of ego reaction comes up uh people can get really easily offended right if i'm saying Uh, here are the positive and negative qualities of this archetype. And they say, well, that doesn't sound like me at all. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'll just talk about, I'll start from the beginning with Aries. Aries, as it's the first sign in the Zodiac, is really chiefly associated with new beginnings. And it comes in the springtime and it's the the sign of the ram and newborn, um, newborn animals. So very sexual, um, It's considered masculine also because it's like the, the, the first fire, the, the fire of anger, the fire of ego, the fire of childhood. So there's not a lot of reflection. There's not a lot of um, anything except pure action and manifestation. If you think about the Big Bang, that's a very Aries moment. It's just like raw material being flung out into space at hyper hyper speed okay so aries is uh really active really athletic um and we can also look at the constellations as representing different stages of human life so aries would be like infancy and early childhood where you're kind of naive and reckless and making a lot of mistakes but it doesn't matter you're just moving forward so a really important archetype to keep in mind on our planet right now. So it's so easy to get um, depressed and confused with current circumstances. So if we can come back to that primordial fire, just burn it all in the volcano, that's Aries. Okay. Okay. Taurus, totally different. Taurus is like that protoplanetary disk is starting to, to concretize and become matter. So Taurus is what is, what exists, things we can touch very tactile, very sensual. So now we're moving into later spring when the flowers are blooming. Um, Very sexual energy once again, but it's more, as I said, sensual rather than sexual. Um, It's about abundance. It's about the food we put in our bellies. It's the way we nourish ourselves. It's about, you know, really seeing those seeds that we planted with Aries begin to pop up the green, the lush, super lush, um, and very comfortable. So Taurus is all about home and space and um, carving out our our place in the physical world. So very basic still. We're still talking about, you know, childhood stage when you're starting to understand your surroundings more, okay? Gemini is an air element, and the mantra for Gemini is I think. So really cerebral, it's all about mental activity. So this is when we see um, in later childhood when the intellect starts to come in. Gemini is all about the throat chakra, communication, writing. It's a sign of the twins, so sibling relations, what it means to be close to um, close to another person and, and to communicate what you're feeling. So once again, really basic, thought and word. Uh, cancer, 
mantra is I feel, and this is the divine feminine archetype. Um, really sensitive, Cancer's ruled by the moon, so all things associated with the moon, motherhood, emotion, intuition, um, another important archetype to keep in mind on our planet right now. Leo is all about identity. This is the fire of... Aries is the first fire, and, and Leo is the second fire. That first fire of Aries is representing more just birth, birth or rebirth. Leo is the fire of identity. That's how you start to build the narrative about who you are. That's when the ego starts to really take form and, and take on its own life. Um, so there's a big emphasis on self-expression, performance, art, creativity, all the things that build the identity and, and how we express ourselves in the world. That's a really chronically misunderstood archetype for sure, the lion. <laughs> and then there's Virgo. Virgo is the second earth. We have Taurus as the first and Virgo is the second. So you can see that there's a, a progression in the elements too. Virgo takes that earth from Taurus and starts to refine it and build systems and methods. The mantra for Virgo's I analyze. It's all about order, organization, work that we do with our bodies, how we keep things running. It's like Virgo takes the raw materials from Taurus. You could say that she's like the miner. She brings the, the raw materials and then Virgo builds the machine. Okay. Um, Libra. Libra is all about, Libra is the second air element. So Libra takes basic thought and communication from Gemini and perfects that into relationships, partnerships, community. Libra is all about community building. Her mantra is I balance. Um, and Libra is actually really interesting because she comes from this Greek goddess Themis, who was the original oracle. She was the founder of the, the temple Delphi where the, the oracles lived. So she was a crystal gazer. She saw into the future. And that's a part of Libra that's like never discussed. And if you did not heed Libra's advice, then you were visited by the goddess Nemesis, who was the goddess of retribution. And we use Nemesis as this really negative word in English, like an, an, an enemy or a mortal enemy. But really, according to that myth, the Nemesis is just the natural result of not heeding Libra's advice, or really your own intuition about how things should go. And then that makes the transition to Scorpio make so much more sense. Scorpio is this really deep water element, probing, inquiry, getting once again down to that root chakra, like I was talking with, with Jupiter and Scorpio this year. Um, Scorpio's mantra is, I desire. So Scorpio is really associated with overcoming desire and transforming beyond desire. Um, the scorpion becomes an eagle and flies high above. So the scorpion in nature is this creature that lives like really close to the earth, under rocks and dark places, very hidden. But the whole the whole goal with Scorpio is to to transcend that, to to go into the cocoon and come out the other end with wings. And that's very much what what I hope this year will bring. <laughs> we can all sprout our butterfly wings and just rise above all the bullshit, right? <laughs> and then we get to Amen, Sagittarius. Sister. Yeah. <laughs> Sagittarius is the, the third fire sign. So it's you could say that it's the most evolved fire because now we're in the, the last quadrant of the zodiac. 
So Sagittarius is the fire of spiritual expansion, new horizons, like a rocket or a comet in space. It's um, really fast moving. It's one of the fastest moving energies in the Zodiac. I always associate the color purple and the crown chakra with Sagittarius. It's all about higher learning. Um, Anything that takes you up and beyond individual consciousness is Sagittarius. And then there's Capricorn, the last earth. So Capricorn represents um, institutions, foundations. If you want to think about like the foundation of a building or the skeleton in the body, Capricorn rules. He's like the the final resolute culmination. He is the end of this earth progression. He represents like religion, all these really big overarching institutions that keep us together and keep those machines operating together. Coming back to that image of Virgo creating machines, Capricorn unites all of that to bring us into a system that works. And that includes work. That includes, um, you know, the economy, that includes all kinds of big overarching foundational aspects of what it means to live together. And then there's Aquarius, an air element. And the transition from Capricorn to Aquarius is really interesting because Aquarius is like the rebel and the nonconformist of the Zodiac. He takes everything that Capricorn just built and smashes everything to pieces, which is so great that we have that in the Zodiac to, to remind us that nothing is permanent and um at any moment anything can change that is the aquarian message um and of course there's been talk since the 60s about moving into the age of aquarius so once you start to understand the archetype of aquarius and how he's all about change and freedom you see why there's so much buzz around this you know little phrase age of aquarius and what that means what that means is that everything we've built is really coming to an end in a really glorious way. It's going to show us this totally new paradigm. Aquarius is a really scientific kind of energy. It rules things that are both really ancient and really new. So Aquarius is really showing us that everything that we thought was ancient is really brand new. You know, present and past, past and present, same thing. And then that takes us right to the end. Pisces, the last water sign. Um, I always say Pisces has no words, has no time, has no space. It's um, the proverbial death of all things. It's the dissolution of all into the to the one. So it's Om, it is the Great Spirit, it's God, whatever you want to call it, Ishvara Pranidana, I surrender to God. Um, and things like art, music especially, and dance, creative acts which do not need to be detailed in words are all about Pisces. What an incredible way to sum up the Zodiac cycle. I love the story format and how each sign relates to one another. And they do. They all share one wheel together. I like to remind that, you know, remind people of that too, that there's no pitting of one constellation against another. They're all meant to work together on that wheel. What I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we all kind of encompass some of the um, bits and pieces of each sign maybe or... Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about the chart. You see the complexity of the individual reflected in the chart with all the different planets scattered around the circle. What are some good resources for people interested in looking up their own chart? Well, you can look up your chart online really easily. And as of now, you know, I'm still really in the beginning stages of doing this professionally. So 
I can pull up someone's chart online in a matter of minutes on my phone or my laptop. That's so cool. So what is it that you feel inspired to do with all this knowledge and this experience that you've acquired? Wow, what a great question. <laughs> That's constantly unfolding, and I don't really even know the answer to that. But I remember writing, um, you know, when I first started getting going with this, I remember writing in my journal that I felt this was a jumping off point, and I have no idea where I'm jumping to, but uh, I don't know. I don't know where it's leading me. It does keep evolving constantly. I'm always changing the format of how I present the information or how that information comes to me, how I write about it, how I feel about it. Um, and every astrologer has their own totally unique way to relating to this information. No two astrologers are going to give you the same reading. No two astrologers have the same understanding. So it is at once an art and a science in that way. It is very subjective and can be, if you wish to see it that way, objective as well. How do you think people should interpret their readings? Should they be taken seriously or subjectively? For example, being cautious on a particular day, how far should we take this cosmic information in regards to our destiny? I don't think anything should be taken seriously. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I will say, yeah, with astrology, it's so easy to get carried away with anything, really. It's easy to become a fanatic and to become obsessed. And with astrology, there's endless details and information. And I am by no means even close to being an expert or, you know, there's so much information out there. She's a total expert, you guys, uh, by the way. <laughs> but I will say that when I pay attention and look at a date and say, am I going to travel on this day or not? And if it doesn't look like a good day to travel then I don't do it. And I'm glad that I didn't. And it feels good. Um, it really comes down to, to feeling and to synchronicity for me too. Um, I can feel the moon changing from constellation to constellation. And what I like to tell people also is you don't have to ascribe to astrology at all. You don't have to believe a word I'm saying. But consider this. Consider taking, for example, the moon looking at what constellation she's in for two days, looking at that archetype, and just meditating on that. It doesn't have to be anything beyond that. You don't have to change your behavior. You don't have to change your decision-making. You can just use that as fodder for something to focus on, something to bring attention to. Um, let's say, like, today the moon's in Virgo. Virgo's all about um, organization, cleanliness, getting things in order. So I could say, okay, I don't believe in astrology, but I'm going to clean my house today because I've been meaning to do that. Or I'm going to organize my desk or I'm going to do something for myself in the work sector of my life. I love the idea of just meditating on it and seeing the hints that each sign could be giving us. For those of us interested in figuring out what the moon is in at any given time, what would be a good resource? Okay. The website I use is called planetwatcher.com. You have to know what the the symbols for each constellation are. So when you go to that website, what you're going to see is a circle. And around the outside of the circle are the 12 constellations. Inside that circle are all the planets. And there's symbols for the planets too. The moon is a pretty 
obvious one because it's a crescent moon. Um, but once you learn those symbols, and they're not that hard to remember, you can look at that at a glance and say, okay, today the moon is in Virgo. So I see the crescent moon, and I see that she's in this little symbol that looks like an M. That's what Virgo looks like. And there you go. And you can check that as often as you want. And you can check back two minutes later and you can see that the moon has moved a little bit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> so it's updating constantly. Constantly. It's, it's live. Yeah. Every time you refresh the page, it gives you the most updated position of the planets. There's lots of sites like that. I just, I prefer that one because it's really clear, straightforward. I can see transits. So transits are showing you they're giving you the future dates of when a planet is going to move into the next constellation and also showing you how the planets are interacting with each other geometrically. So another thing that you'll see when you go to that site is a bunch of crazy lines in the middle of the circle. They're all different colors and it looks like total chaos. What those lines are showing you is just the geometric relationship. For example, if you have two planets that are directly across from each other, okay, on opposite ends of the circle, between the two of them, you're going to see a 180 degree red line. That's showing you that they are form they are um, 180 degrees across from each other. And then what's not what's not there, but what's implied is that Earth is at the center of that circle. So Western astrology is geocentric. Earth is at the middle. So those geometric relationships are all in relationship to the Earth and how we see them from the Earth. So if we wanted to learn the history of astrology, do you know if it's connected to astronomy in any way? Do you know the origin story of it? Not nearly well enough, but I think astrology is an outgrowth of astronomy. I think that ancient civilizations in studying the movement of the planets also noticed that, okay, when this planet or when the moon moves into this sector of the sky... You know, there's some shift in how we feel, how we think. Coming back to the archetypes of all those, all the zodiac constellations, they're all represented in our consciousness. And we can feel a shift from one to the next, to the next, to the next, by paying attention to what the moon is doing or what the other planets are doing. So it comes from observation, from direct observation of actually where they're moving, but also how you're feeling. Or what's going on? What big events are happening globally or, or individually? It's all it's all reflected in the sky, from the individual to the global level, or universal. Um, but Western astrology comes from Mesopotamia, so present day Iran, and then West Mesopotamian astrology became commonly practiced in. Um, Constantinople, what is now Istanbul. So that was the more, more or less modern center of Western astrology. And then from Constantinople became regulated, practiced in the Western hemisphere. But there are so many systems of astrology. Almost every ancient civilization has their own system of astrology. When you were originally studying astrology, did you have any sort of mentor? Yeah, you know, it was really cool. When I was having my spiritual awakening, it's like every single person that I met, one after the other, was giving me the same information, leading me to the same place. And uh, I think one of my biggest mentors was, his name's Claude, 
He's a, a farmer in France. He is shout no, out to Claude if you're listening. He's no longer with us. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Still I miss shout him very much. Yeah, he, he's he's, he's, he's well. Yeah, he's totally listening. He's here with us right now. <laughs> yeah, actually. definitely. Um, he he was my mentor in many many different aspects of uh, many many different elements of of spirituality with especially with yoga, but he. He talked to me a lot about astrology, and it was after I came back to the U.S. from France. This was in 2012. I I looked at my chart for the first time, my own individual chart, and that was the aha moment. I was so humbled by the chart, actually. I was so humbled to see what I like to call the spiritual DNA. Maybe, you know, a similar experience would be like, if you could open up your body and look at your organs for the first time, that's what it felt like. Like I was seeing myself reflected in this beautiful, chaotic mess of lines and geometric angles that I'd never seen before. And I was hooked immediately. I, I realized that I had not known anything about astrology. I thought it was just about your sun sign. I didn't know that there were all these other planets and all these other constellations that are making up your spiritual DNA. How many planets are there in astrology? So that would be 11 main planets with the sun and the moon. Um, there are some asteroids also that I will look at for a chart, but <clears throat> when I write for my blog, I'm writing about just those 11 planets. I don't really write about the asteroids, but once again, it can get as complex and detailed as you want it. You can custom tailor astrology for you know, it can be as vague or detail-oriented as you want. Could you explain in more detail what it means for something to be in a sign? When we say something's in a sign, what we mean is that when we look from Earth, let's take the moon, for example. If we were to go outside right now, well, is the moon up yet? No, I'm not, I'm not sure if she's up right now. If we were to go outside and the moon were up, the constellation that we find directly behind, air quotes, behind the moon is the constellation that she's in. So it's really all about okay. earthly perspective. Or when the sun rises tomorrow morning and you draw an imaginary line from the earth through the sun, the constellation behind the sun from what we can perceive is going to be Capricorn. So we say the sun is in Capricorn right now. So it's very relational. Um, and then next month when the earth moves a little bit, that perspective changes, and now when you draw the line through the sun, it's Aquarius. Of course, we can't see the constellation because it's obscured by the sun, but that's what it means for something to be in a sign. So for a moment, imagine at, at the moment of your birth, imagine all the planets scattered around the sun in their respective positions, okay? The birth chart is like an aerial photograph that's taken at the moment of your birth that's showing you where the planets were oriented around the sun, but also where we could see them from the earth. Okay. So it starts to get complicated really quickly. And that's why the visuals are really helpful. Um, there's all kinds of really helpful astronomical websites to give you just the basics about, you know, what, what the configuration of the planets are. Earthsky.org is a really nice, um, scientific resource for that. Um, but even just looking at that graphic ephemeris on Planet Watcher, 
will give you a better idea. If you imagine the Earth at the center and all the planets scattered around, it's all about terrestrial perspective. What do you think our purpose is here on Earth? Personally, I think our our purpose is to transcend the body and remember where we come from. And where we come from is not really even Earth. This is our home for now. It's our spaceship. But we are so much more than human. And yeah, I think we can find that in astrology. But the other thing about astrology is that it is incredibly intuitive. Everything I'm saying you can know and see without ever looking at a website, without ever without ever really even learning in depth about these archetypes. They all exist inside of us at every moment. And once again, thinking about that, the zodiac wheel is a progression through the human life. We're experiencing it viscerally every moment. You know, we're moving through these different phases of our life and we may regress to some others or jump ahead to others, but Maybe another purpose of astrology and the destiny of Earth is just uniting all those disparate parts into a whole and seeing it as one whole circle. The circle is just like this profound symbol in so many cultures representing all that is, all that will be, all that we return to, all that we come from. Um, it's because the human mind is so quick to parcel everything out into different divisions. This is that, this is this. Um, and we, we see that in astrology too, that, you know, this, this zodiac sign is like this and this is like that, but what if we could erase those boundaries and, and just see it as one big cosmic experience? How has astrology helped you understand yourself and other people? Probably what really drew me to astrology and what really kept me in it, practicing it, is that it, it first of all, allowed me to have so much self-compassion. I looked at my chart and I looked at all those hard angles and oppositions and squares and, you know, right angles. And I thought, oh my God, (laughs) I've been feeling these pokey, sharp edges in my spirit my whole life. And now I can see it. I can feel it. And this wave of forgiveness came over myself really started to make sense. And I, then that rippled out to everyone else in my life. I I looked at everyone else's chart and it's like, we all have our shit. We all have these beautiful, shiny aspects of ourselves. And then we have these serious challenges. No one is without them. No one is immune. And even for example, in a chart that doesn't have any um, oppositions, let's say, where all the planets are gathered together in one place, even that can be a weakness in itself. Even um, that that's suggesting that things are going to come to you really easily and that you, you have to go out of your way to find challenge. That's a weakness in itself. That means that the spirit and the ego are not pushed to evolve unless the ego pushes itself to evolve. So no matter how you look at it, there is an opportunity for evolution. There's there's challenge in it, embedded in all of it. Um, as for people, other people, what is happening, the more I practice, is that I can, I can feel someone's archetype or element emanating from them, which is another way to validate what I'm doing. It's like, how, if this, if none of this is real, 
then how would I be able to know when I meet someone immediately that their sun sign is this? Or I say, or I say to myself, wow, I'm feeling a lot of fire from this person. And then sure enough, I look at their chart and it's pure fire. So there's something to that elemental energy too. When I look at the chart, it's really holistic. I'm looking at all the planets and all the asteroids together. I'm looking at all the angles, all the geometry, and then deducing from that what is most predominant. More often than not, your most predominant element or archetype is not your sun sign. And that's really validating for people too. So my sun sign's Taurus, but when I look at my chart holistically, I am really Scorpionic. I've got a lot of Scorpio. So there's just all these layers that are not evident at all. And pick up the newspaper and read your horoscope. You know, unfortunately, that's not really going to tell you anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does give me tools to relate to other people to forgive other people, to be less judgmental, to have more compassion. All of that is true. Um, but it can really be easily flipped to the other side too. I can find myself saying, oh God, those Leos, you know, <laughs> they're always, you know, doing this or that. Um, but that's my own, that's my own work to do on myself. But uh, yeah, it's, there's profound psychological insight in astrology. And man, there have been a lot of famous psychologists, Carl Jung being one of them, who looked at almost all of the birth charts of his patients and used that information in treating his patients. I mean, nobody really knows that about Young. Nobody really talks about that. But there are plenty of people who are respected as, you know, very, like, left-brained scientific people who, oh, well, you know, that person would probably never believe in astrology. Well, actually, they used it every day to do their work. So there's just so many applications of it, really, and so many implications for what can be done with that information. Could you go into some detail about what you write about in your blog? My blog, I don't do personal horoscopes. Like some astrology websites you'll go to and it'll say like horoscope for sun sign Libra for 2018. Okay. My blog is not like that. What I do is look at just what's happening and then write about what's happening. So we're all being affected by what's happening, right? And you can take that information and apply it to your own life and see how it's fitting in. But I like to use the metaphor of like wine and a wine glass. So what's happening all around us is the wine. It's it's the reality. It's it's the drink that we take in. But you, you are the vessel and you are unique. So I can pour the same wine into 12 different vessels. And depending on what that vessel is, you're going to take it in differently. It's going to maybe even taste differently, you know. So it kind of gets diverted into each individual human in a, in a highly unique way. So when you go to my blog, you're not going to find any horoscopes. You're going to find transits, what's going on with the moon through Pluto. Um, so transits means when a planet moves from one constellation to the next. Um, so just for example, with the moon, I'll do, I'll cover the moon phases for the month. So I'll do new moon, both the quarter moons and the full moon. Quarter moons fall in between the new moon and the full moon. Um, and then you've got Mercury and Venus and the sun, which are more or less in one constellation for about one month. And then Mars, every two months, he changes to a new constellation. Jupiter's one year. Saturn's about two and a half years. And then Uranus, Neptune, Pluto are, they're in constellations for a long time. Pluto takes like more than 200 years to go around the sun. So, I mean, 
I'll probably only cover a couple Pluto transits in my life, you know, really slow moving stuff. And then there's a couple other things that I'll cover like retrograde cycles. Retrograde is a big buzzword in astrology. If people know anything about astrology, they'll know something about like Mercury retrograde. I want to say retrograde is totally an optical illusion. The planets are not spinning backwards. That is all about how we perceive the planet from Earth. And that's just, yeah, it's an optical illusion. It's like when you're passing a car on the highway, it looks like the car is moving backward as you're passing it. It's not really moving backward. You know that, but it looks like it is. Same thing is happening in the sky. The Earth is moving at different speeds around the sun than other planets, and sometimes it looks like the planet is moving backward. So I'll talk about that too and what that means. On that same note, would you be able to share a little bit about where we are right now and where we're headed in 2018? And can I add something to that? May it possibly be something that will provide a little shred of hope for maybe our listeners (laughs) who are coming out of a year. You know, I think for a lot of people, 2017 was a little bit of a a rough time. Mm -hmm. You know, they're feeling Mm -hmm. sort of discouraged or defeated. Mm -hmm. And is there anything in astrology that points to something hopeful for this next year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll just come back to Jupiter for a moment because he's really the only enduring influence through the whole year. Because those other planets are moving more quickly or more slowly, yeah, they are giving a flavor to the year, but it's really all about Jupiter right now. And there's plenty of hope with that Scorpio archetype. But I got to say... We don't receive the blessings of the scorpion until we do the work. And that work is really psychological and it's really emotional. So if you have the courage to face your fear, whatever that is, or to overcome your addictions, whatever they are, your desires, um, then yeah, there's, there's lots of hope. We will come out of the chrysalis. We will grow wings. We will sprout and fly away. Um, come November 2018, Jupiter's moving into Sagittarius. Jupiter rules Sagittarius. So when a planet returns to this sign it rules, we say it's at home. Very auspicious. This is good. So come November, we are stepping into this really expansive, fiery place where we get to just blast off and take everything that we've learned from Scorpio and you know, leave the root chakra and just rock it right up to the crown chakra. So imagine this is like the exhale right now. We are exhaling completely. We're getting down to the root of the root of the root of the root. And yeah, it's not beautiful down there. There's a lot of demons and shadows and ghosts. But when you look at the the myth of scorp- of the scorpion, that is a necessary that is a necessary step. In order to grow your wings, you have to go curl up in the cocoon. You have to get to the bottom. You have to exhale before you inhale, right? So there's plenty of hope. But yeah, I will say that right now the tone is undoubtedly serious. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is the this is the confrontation. This is like ripping off the blinders, ripping off the band-aid. Thanks again to Ren for joining us. If you want to learn more about Ren and the work that she's doing, check out her blog at astroyogalove.com. You can also find her work on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash zenrenyoga. I'm excited I'll be getting my own birth chart reading from Ren here in the next week or so. 
For those of you interested in getting yours, be sure to contact Ren with the code SOLGOOD. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D. And receive up to $10 off your reading. With love and gratitude from all of us here at Saul Good Media, thanks for listening.